Welcome to EdSource Radio, where we talk about the latest developments in California education. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource. I'm here with John Fenstewald, who is Editor-at-Large at EdSource, which, by the way, is celebrating its 40th anniversary. John, this was a big week in California, at least when it comes to how California rates or ranks its schools. What happened? That's right, Lewis. It was the release of the California School Dashboard. Years in the making. It's sort of, it's a state's new accountability system, and it kind of takes a 360-degree look at the performance of a school, and it ranks schools by, and the indicators by color, with red at the lowest, up to blue, you're doing great, and it's a half a dozen indicators, suspension rates, test scores, English learner progress, eventually chronic absenteeism, and once the board figures it out, a measure for how well students are being prepared for college and careers. Well, how did it go? I mean, how is this rollout? Did it did it actually happen on time? And were people able to look at the dashboards and so on? Give or take an hour. It was on time, well, yes. That's pretty good. Yes. And our first analysis, there were lots of blues for districts in graduation rates and suspension rates, by and large. On average, that looks pretty good. Lots of yellows in the middle for for the academics, for test scores, and red for English learner progress, and which means we're going to have to take a hard look at, at how quickly and how effectively we are reclassifying English learners for uh, learning English. One point the state hasn't made clear, though, is that the goal is green, the green color, which is the second of right below blue. So that, that means if you're yellow, it doesn't mean that you're, you need state assistance, but it means you still need room for improvement, and the state board needs to make that clear. Well, how is this dashboard? Because it really is a huge, gigantic change from the old academic performance index, which was just one number. How is this being received? Are people thinking that this actually is, is something they can understand? Well, we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at I think it's, some folks say it's still hard to learn because there's so many indicators and there's no average for a school as the API. It's going to take a while for, for parents to learn, and I think we need to find out whether, in fact, they, they find it easy enough to use. There will be workshops throughout the state in the next over the next several weeks over how to use this information for your local accountability plan, because that's one of the goals, is to take all this data and apply it to the plan that you create this spring for your priorities and spending. That's the connection between the two. And this is just a field test. Next year, it will count for school accountability, which is to say, if you're doing poorly in various ways, including student subgroups, you may need county assistance. Oh, okay, well, just clarify that. Just the field test after all this work? We, we still at the field test stage? Well, just explain that. Yeah, field test meaning they want you to get the state board and the Department of Education. They want you to get used to using this data. Look over the dashboard. There are many different slices of data. You want to look at individual student subgroups as well as as well as schools. One thing, one thing that's interesting. It's not easy to compare schools using this dashboard. So EdSource has come up with a very sortable and easy to use system to actually compare schools to look up all the schools in a district and see how each one is doing. And I would encourage folks to check out our edsource.org website and take a look at our database as well. But it is also the case that the CDE, the California Department of Education, is welcoming input from 
anybody who sees his parents, teachers, and so on, as to how they how they feel about this dashboard and whether or not it's working. That's correct. There's a link right on the dashboard, and they do want people's responses and tell them whether it's usable and readable. Well, we're going to be taking a closer look at what these dashboards show, but I have to say, in some ways, I was quite moved by the fact that this thing actually happened after so much discussion and taking on something which is usually ambitious, to have multiple measures of a school, of a district, it was an idea, California's putting it into practice, and now the question is, is it going to work? Yes, and the state board put a lot of time speak and really did a lot of outreach to reach, to connect and come up with this system, and they say they're open to change as well, so we'll see what happens over the next year. So, Lewis, there's a lot happening in Washington, D.C., We got our first look at the federal budget, and it looks like uh, the Department of Education may have been whacked in order to make room for a Pentagon increase. So so what's it look like? And also for the wall, John. Don't don't forget about the wall. Absolutely. There's quite a bit of money in the budget for that. Well, the department did get, at least, let's, let's get this clear. This is President Trump's proposal. And just like you may recall, President Obama made his proposals and the budget that Congress passed was nowhere close to what the president passed. So uh, who's to know what's going to happen? Except the big difference now is you have a Republican Congress and a Republican president. So you just have to assume that at least some of this budget is going to happen. So the Department of Education did get whacked by $9 billion. Sounds like a lot, but it was 13% of its total budget, which is a lot, but less than some other departments. A State Department was cut by 30%, Environmental Protection Agency by 30 30 plus percent. I suppose it could have been worse. But when you look at some of these programs, uh, California schools will be affected. There's a uh, a title, they call it Title II, Part A of the uh, Every Student Succeeds Act, gives money to schools for professional development, teacher recruitment, training, Retention, that uh, is, is on the chopping block. One piece of the budget that didn't get cut were charter schools. Uh, the president is proposing a 50% increase in the charter school grant program that from the $333 million that it's currently getting. He wants to add another $168 billion, million. So that would bring it to about a half a billion dollars. And then he did put in $250 million for the private school choice program undefined, doesn't say what it is. And then the big question mark in this budget was a proposal increase a billion dollars to Title I, to increase Title I funding. Sounds good on one level, but this is supposed to go for for a public school choice program to allow students to attend schools of their choice, public school choice. But again, no details, and people are really scratching their heads as to what this actually might mean. So Title I is for money for low-income kids. Low-income kids. So this would go to low-income kids, but it's supposed to be portable. The money goes to the kid, and they should be able to take it to whatever school they want to attend. But as you know, schools in California get funded by average daily attendance. So a school district gets paid if a student is is in attendance at that school. So would this mean they would have extra money that they would take? And would the money have to then be spent on the student? It's himself or herself, or could it go into school programs? So those are all questions. uh, And this was a a skinny budget. They called it a skinny budget. Presidents typically in their first year issue a very brief budget. But this was 
extremely skinny. They call this an extremely skinny budget. It was 53 pages. Uh, President Clinton had, a, I believe, was over 100 pages. President Obama was 147 pages. So these budgets tend to be brief, but this was very brief. Now, it's certainly a signal that the federal government wants to retrench in education, and we'll see what happens in Congress. Well, the Republicans have, for decades, this has been part of their platform. Not every president. I mean, George W. Bush didn't want to cut the, the Department of Education, at least not to, to the extent that some of his predecessors have wanted, but it's always been part of their platform. So this is very consistent with what Republicans have been calling for for many years, which means that there's a chance that some of this might actually happen. Well, shifting gears back to California, but still on the electoral front. This week, the first candidate for a superintendent of public instruction came out of the woodwork, announced that he was running. Yes. Fill us in. Yes. Maybe a familiar name to those of voting age, Marshall Tuck, who ran three years ago against Tom Torlakson, the incumbent superintendent. Actually, did for he was a newcomer in politics, though he had been a charter school leader in Los Angeles and in L.A. Unified, led some independent schools. He did quite well, 48% of the vote last time. So now he's the first candidate out. And right now, uh, it's interesting. So he put his stake in, and last time he had a lot of money. It was the most expensive race on the ballot in 2014, $30 million between Tom Torlakson and Marshall Tuck and their supporters, which in the case of Tuck were some very wealthy charter supporters. Why would somebody want to run for superintendent of public instruction? Isn't it the case that, that their powers have been diminished? I mean, this is going back to Pete Wilson's days. Well, the State Board of Education sets policy, the legislature sets the but the budget, but uh, the state superintendent does have certainly the bully pulpit, so to speak, and an advocate for education, and certainly has a role as head of the California Department of Education in administering the uh, education budget. It has, it has some say. It's, a, it's the chief spokesman, you could say, for the state on education, and Marshall Tuck has some very clear ideas about that. Well, let me ask you about that, his background. He's done a number of things, but he does come from the charter school side of things. That's he right. And uh, was, was he CEO of, of Green Dot Schools? He had a senior position. He did. At, at Green Dot Schools. And so does this signal that this could be yet another battle on well, that front? Last time, it became sort of a referendum, the Vergara case on teacher tenure and teacher evaluations and dismissals. That was... That was in the middle of the legal proceedings then, and so this sort of became a big public referendum on that. I, you know, if I had to guess, Lewis, it would be a very different race this time. And when I talked with Marshall Tuck this week, he said, you know, I still believe that tenure and teacher evaluations need reform, but we have much more critical issues. And he pointed to the shortage of special education as one. He said he acknowledged we have much more important issues of sustaining the teacher workforce and getting teachers, new teachers into the system. And that's what we need to focus on. And so I have a feeling it's going to be a much less tempestuous race this time. Of course, we don't know who the other candidates will be. Well, I was going to ask you. I mean, this is its over more than a year and a half. That's right. Until the race. All right? This is November 2018. Uh, just quickly, why would Tuck want to declare so early? 
And and do we have any idea who might be running on the other side yet? Uh, we don't have anybody that I know of who, uh, who uh, former Senator Block, I believe, has formed a committee and don't know if that's going to lead to a candidacy. I think Marshall Tuck wanted to show that he's serious and will be uh, obviously a serious candidate because he had so much financial backing last time. Okay, another another uh, issue race that we'll be following for the yes. next 18 months. For, well, <laughs> the race has begun. This week, speaking of teachers, there were some layoff notices that went out by March 15th, which was the deadline for, for telling teachers who may be dismissed this fall that their jobs are at, in jeopardy. Uh, tell me about that. For those of you who track school issues, March 15th, the Ides of March, have always been a difficult time, or for many years have been a difficult time, because that's when teachers have to get their preliminary pink slips. And uh, for many years, uh, during the recession years in particular, this was a grim time. Uh, School districts were issuing thousands and thousands of uh, layoff notices. I think in one year it was close to 30,000. And then as the economy has improved the last few years, it dropped to almost nothing uh, in the last uh, several years. And so this year, there have been about this week, the CTA has estimated about over 2,000 layoffs. Several hundred in Santa Ana Unified, uh, LA uh, Unified, no layoffs except administrators. So it really varies from district to district. But this is a this is a not a good good thing, because uh, this is a time teacher shortages around the state, and uh, it's kind of this bizarre situation that when while you have teacher shortages, you're actually laying off teachers. It also sends a signal for people who are thinking of going into teaching. Wow, more layoffs. Uh, what's going on? Also signals that there's some tough times for districts potentially coming up with the shrinkage of the revenue growth and so on. Exactly. But to put this in a in a larger context, uh, we still have pretty low numbers. Uh, it's nowhere close to the kinds of layoffs we had a, a few years ago. And so hopefully this won't really discourage people. It won't it won't get the kind of attention or, or notoriety that it did a few years ago. Because it really would be unfortunate if just at the time where maybe we're turning the corner a little bit, more people are thinking of going into teaching, that that momentum is reversed. So, John, we've kind of running out of time. I just wanted to ask you quickly, what predictions do you have for what might be coming up on the education landscape? Well, I guess I have a prediction that it's going to be a really difficult time in the legislature. This week, we're hearing that California is really under siege. It's feeling under siege because of perhaps potentially repeal of its car emission standards and its Obamacare with loss of millions of dollars of people who who have been pre- receiving medical care, the immigration, there's lots of anger, anger over that. And so at the same time, there's a potentially discussion about more for education, uh, some good ideas about how to attract teachers into the profession and other areas of spending, early childhood education. What we're seeing now is the federal government's impact on California potentially creating a crisis, a fiscal crisis in the next year or so, which is going to make it very difficult for the Democrats in the legislature to figure out what priorities to make. How about you, Lewis? The charter wars, I think, are going to continue in California and may actually accelerate because uh, while school districts are going to experience cutbacks, both at the state and federal level, charter schools, at least in terms of federal funds, might actually be getting an increase in funding. And not that this is going to be a huge amount of money when California gets its slice of the $500 but still, that just symbolically 
This, I think, is going to increase tensions that exist between the charter school network and the teachers' unions and so on. But in addition to that, there's going to be tensions within the charter school movement because of their ambivalence about, uh, or I would say actual dislike in some quarters of Betsy DeVos. So this is going to be a very uncertain landscape in terms of how charter schools evolve over the next few months. Well, I'll be moderating a panel at the California Charter School Association uh, next week, and I'll report back and take a temperature myself and tell you what I find, Lewis. Great, great. Well, John, we've uh, come to the end of our time. Uh, thanks for talking with us this week. I'm Lewis Friedberg with John Fensterwald. For more on these topics, go to our website at edsource.org. Thanks for listening.